theme of experiencing God. So Christian, would you please come up? Bill, I'm going to steal your stool for a little while. So go easy on me, all right? I'm going to be lazy today. Is that all right? I wasn't going to go there, but thanks for bringing it up. I'm going to show I can worship through preaching in a different way. I'm broadening everybody's horizons as far as preaching. Why don't you guys uh, pray with me before we jump into our time of worship through uh, preaching. Dear uh, precious Heavenly Father, uh, I'm just humbled to be in your presence uh, today. Help us come back to the heart of worship, because it is all about you. Lord, just let our lives overflow with our love for you. Help us to have intimacy with you in every area of our lives. God, just give me the strength to talk about such a deep subject that hits our hearts on such a deep level. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Help us to have heartbeats that uh, beat with uh, your heartbeat. Help us to breathe with your breath each and every day. We love you and, uh, and we praise you. In your mighty and precious name, amen. My uh, first ministry out of college was rough. I had a crazy cultural transition um, when I was moving from home to my first ministry in college. You see, I grew up in a church of about 500 people. And we had a rockin' band every week, and sometimes we'd do like a U2 cover to start out the service, and that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, the average age was maybe like 35 or, or 40. Then I get my first ministry out of college. It's in a town of about 600 people. And uh, the average age was like 85. Our average attendance was like 90 people. And I had never heard a hymn in my life, pretty much. You know, we were used to, you know, singing a lot of Chris Tomlin and Hillsong, and I didn't even know what Amazing Grace was, or, you know, the old, I knew what Amazing Grace was, but I mean, I didn't know, you know, the old rugged cross, or, you know, um, you know, leaning on the everlasting arms. So I get to my first ministry, and the music is just making me sick, you know, because I'm not used to it, you know. I mean, it's good stuff, but I mean, at the time, I was this 23-year-old rebel that just wanted to rock out all the time. And so, I get there, and a few months have gone by, and the pastor's wife is like, we need to do something different with worship, and uh, you're the guy to, to bring this change for one Sunday. And uh, she knew I really loved guitar. She knew I loved to be loud. And she's like, let's rock out. And uh, so I grabbed one of the kids in my youth group to play the drums. And I had my electric guitar up there. And uh, we played two songs that really rocked out. Um, and then nobody said anything after the service that Sunday. But then uh, I get a visit from one of our deacons the following Monday. And uh, he says, one of our elders got a couple calls. You can't be playing that loud devil music. He didn't say loud devil music. It just sounds better that way. But 
You can't be playing that loud music like that. You know, that, that's ridiculous. You know, we can't have worship in that way. And if you ever do that again, we're going to vote you out. And so, I didn't play that music for a while. Keyword, a while. Um, so a few months have gone by after that. And our rebel pastor's wife says, we need to change worship up again. But maybe turn it down a notch this time. And so uh, I bring my electric guitar up there, and I grab one of the kids in my youth group to play the drums, and uh, I have my amp on a, on a clean channel. If you know anything about music, there's distortion and there's a clean channel when you're playing guitar, um, especially electric guitar. And uh, played a few songs. Didn't hear anything after the service. I actually went to Florida the following week. I'm on the beach in Miami. I get a call from the pastor's wife. She's like, um, we had a meeting while you were gone. We got tired of you playing electric guitar, and uh, there's going to be designated Sundays like twice a year when you can actually play any kind of guitar, so I just want to let you know that. Everybody was so furious about you playing electric guitar again. See, when we think of this word worship, we always think of the music portion of a Sunday service. And it's a sensitive topic for a lot of us. Because a lot of people are selfish when it comes to this word worship. They think about their own style of music. They think about their own way they want to express their worship when we're singing. And it causes so much division. And through all that chaos, we forget about what real worship is. What is real worship? We're going to look at Romans chapter 12 this morning. And uh, Paul's talking to the Roman church. And uh, if you've ever read Romans, you need a pretty big shovel, because there's a lot of deep stuff, and you've got to do a lot of digging. A lot of deep terms, a lot of deep theology. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul's sort of changing things up a little bit. He uses that big word, therefore. And anytime you, you see the word, therefore, you've got to put on the emergency brake. Okay, therefore. This word, therefore, means in light of. See, Paul has uh, been talking about salvation for a long time in this book, for 11 chapters. He's been talking about um, the salvation message and how we play a part in this thing called salvation. And he says, therefore, emergency break, in light of everything I've told you about salvation and how you play a part in salvation, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So therefore, in light of everything I've told you about salvation, I'm pushing you guys to action. There's three key words that really bring this uh, verse to life. It's the words uh, living, sacrifice, and worship. If you look at the Greek word for living, because the New Testament was written in the Greek, the word for living is this word, zeo. And this word zeo means that you're living with the breath of God. You're living with the fullness of God. You're living with eternal life. Because a lot of times we don't understand eternal life is here and it's after death. We're living eternal life right now. 
with the fullness of God, with the breath of God, and we're going to live with the fullness of God and, and with the breath of God. You know, we're, 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 we're going to be worshiping God 24-7 after we die. So that's why I think living is a, is a key word right there. And we have the word sacrifice. You've probably heard that word time and time again. It means to give something up for something else. And we have this word worship. In the Greek language, this word worship actually means service. So you put those three words together, it really creates a deep picture of what worship is. You're serving God because you're giving yourself up as a sacrifice because you have the fullness of God inside you, because you have eternal life inside you, because you have the breath of God inside of you. And you're saying, God, you can have all of me. He doesn't just want some of you. He wants all of you. He wants every aspect of your life. And I think this description of worship can be summed up into one word. And that word is surrender. That word is surrender. I'm pretty sure you guys have uh, heard this uh, word before. I'm pretty sure some of you guys have watched the movies before where, you know, somebody's uh, fighting a battle and somebody surrenders. Or somebody's running from the cops and they surrender. They put their hands up, I surrender. Which means, I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of fighting. I'm going to submit to your leadership. I'm going to serve you. Do we have that kind of attitude in our lives each and every day? Where we put our hands up and we say, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of hiding. God, I'm yours. I want to serve you. I want to sacrifice myself because I want to live eternal life. I want to live with the fullness of God inside of me. Is that our cry as Christians? To have that kind of surrender. You see, Eugene Peterson has a powerful quilt that really paints a picture of what surrender is. He says, uh, Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. Not a feeling for God that is expressed in the act of worship. See, when we surrender, we're doing this act that develops feelings for God. Do we lift our hands up? Do we say, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of fighting. You, God. I'm yours. I'm a living sacrifice. I want to serve you. Because I want to have an act that develops feelings for you. I don't just want a feeling for you that is expressed in an act of worship. So you might be asking yourself, how do we surrender daily? How do we get in this heart of surrender each and every day? I believe Isaiah in the Old Testament is probably the best example of how we need to surrender each and every day. Um, we're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 through 8. And uh, just to give you guys a little bit of a background of uh, what's going on with Isaiah right now. Uh, we know Isaiah is a, is a well-known prophet in the Old Testament. and uh, Basically, um, Isaiah is a little bit out of shape. 
Um, this is going on the same year that uh, King Uzziah um, died, and uh, he was a well-known king. He was a he was a king who reigned for about fifty-two years in, in Judah. Um, very godly king, even though uh, he had leprosy for about the last ten years of his life, basically, because um, he was caught um, burning incense in the temple, and uh, that was sort of a no-no back then, <laughs> if you weren't a priest. Um, but he was a very godly king besides that. And so Isaiah goes to the temple to pray. He goes to God, because he is a little bit out of shape, because you know he really looked up to King Uzziah, and he knows that his uh, surroundings are going to be in distress here. So I just want to give you guys a little bit of a background. We're going to look at Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. So we see Isaiah going to God. And he gets his vision of the throne room of God. And the train of God's robe fills the temple. Can you imagine a robe that big? Can you imagine a train of a robe that big? That's unreal. And it's so pure to be in the presence of God. And Isaiah really creates a picture of that. And he sees God on the throne and he realizes, wow, this is a holy God, this is a mighty God. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure Isaiah knew that before, but he really, you know, saw this idea that God was on the throne and that God was powerful in a totally different way. And it humbled him to be in the presence of God. Because he was humbled by the presence of God, he realized his own sinful life. And he realized his own brokenness. And he realized that he was a man of unclean lips. When you bring things to light, you can see what's dirty. You can see what's deformed. You can't always see those things when you bring things into the darkness. Isaiah was in the light, and he realized his brokenness when he was in the light, when he was in the presence of God. 
And this is the purest light you're ever going to encounter when you're in the presence of God. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm so unworthy to be in the presence of God right now. And one of the seraphim came over, gave him a coal, a live coal that was burning on the altar. And his guilt was taken away and his sin was taken away. Then he had the humility to say, Lord, use me. Use me. I surrender. See, that coal represented coal that was burning on the altar from the Day of Atonement. See, on the Day of Atonement, all the sins of the people were taken care of from a sacrifice once a year. And that cult reminds us that Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. He washes our sins clean. He washes our guilt away if we come to him in humility. So if we want to have an attitude of surrender each and every day, we've got to be humbled by the presence of God. Do we realize the majesty of God? Do we realize that God is on the throne? Do we realize that we're people of unclean lips? Do we allow the blood of Jesus, the atoning sacrifice, to wash away our sins and our guilt each and every day so that we can be used by God, so we can lift up our hands and surrender and say, hey, I want to sacrifice myself. I want to be a servant for you. I want to live with eternal life. I want to live with the fullness of God. I want to live with the breath of God. Do we have that kind of attitude each and every day? Because you will have surrender, and you'll have a heart for surrender if you're humbled by the presence of God. And, and you come into the presence of God and say, hey, I'm, I'm dirty and nasty because I see the light when I'm in your presence, and I realize how messed up I'm, I am. And I need that atoning sacrifice to wash away my sins and to wash away my, my guilt so I can be used each and every day. One of my favorite authors, uh, Francis Chan, has a book called Crazy Love. Some of you guys have read it before. And uh, he has a chapter that talks about how sometimes we just need to stop praying. I'm like, what? This sounds like heresy here. (laughs) This sounds sacrilegious. Stop praying? But he's saying sometimes we just need to shut up and just, you know. Sorry, I know some people don't like the word shut up. So I'll shut up about saying shut up. But um, I'll repent later. But anyways, we just need to be quiet and just take in the presence of God. We just need to look around us and, and, and look at the glory of God through creation. We just need to meditate on how awesome He is. We need to meditate on the fact that He's on the throne. And that we're, we're nothing compared to Him. We're not saying we're just you know, a blip on a radar screen. But compared to him, we're so unworthy. But God uses us anyways. So sometimes we just need to have silence and just take in the presence of God. Take in the glory of God. And you might be asking yourself, how do you keep up momentum for having this hard surrender each and every day? Famous uh, pastor and author Henry Blackaby quotes, 
Genuine worship requires spiritual preparation. Your experiences of worship reflect your spiritual preparation. We have to have spiritual preparation each and every day to keep this momentum going where we're living this heart of surrender. I think John 4.24 really creates a picture of how we keep this momentum where we're having this heart of surrender each and every day. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. If we have this heart of surrender, if we have this attitude of worship, where we're worshiping in spirit and in truth, where we're staying in touch with the Holy Spirit, and we're reading the word of God because God's words are truth, we're going to have momentum each and every day to lift up our hands and say, hey, I'm a person of unclean lips. I see my sin. I see how holy you are. I see how broken I am. I need the blood of Jesus to wash away my guilt and to wash away my sins. So that can be used by you. I'm yours, Lord. And we can only do this with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can only do this with the power of the Word of God. At your jobs, are you lifting up hands in holy surrender and saying, Lord, how are you going to use me today? You're huge and I'm so small, but I know you're going to use me if I am just humbled by your presence. Lord, how are you going to use me in my family life? Lord, how are you going to use me at school? Lord, how are you going to use me at church? Because worship is a lifestyle. It's not just coming here on Sunday mornings and singing a few songs and having a sermon and seeing funny people like Joe Scott in the back. He didn't expect that. It's about so much more. It's about being in the Spirit. It's about being in truth. It's about lifting up holy hands each and every day where you're a living sacrifice where you're living with the fullness of God, where you're living with eternal life, where your heartbeat is in line with the heartbeat of God. You're saying, how can I be used by you today? How can I serve you today, God? One of my favorite man movies of all time is a movie called The Patriot. Have some of you guys seen it before? Um... It's about this man named Benjamin Martin. Um, he was a French and Indian War veteran. Um, it was during the time of the American Revolution. And uh, he was appointed by his uh, old commanding officer from the French and Indian, Indian War to lead a, a local colonial militia to keep uh, Lord Cornwallis' soldiers pinned in the south. And uh, there's a point in the movie where he sees one of his men shoot a guy that has, had surrendered initially. And uh, he, he sets this standard in place from that point on, and the standard was this. We don't shoot those that surrender. From this point on, we are not going to shoot anybody that surrenders. There's going to be no death for those that surrender. And I believe that wholeheartedly. There's no death for those that surrender. There's no death for those that don't run, that don't hide, that don't fight, 
that lift up holy hands and say, Lord, I'm yours. Use me. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm giving up myself because I want to serve you. Because I'm living with eternal life. I'm living with the fullness of God. And I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth each and every day. Some of you guys need to quit running. Some of you guys need to quit fighting God. And just surrender. Each and every day, lift up holy hands. Say that you're a man or woman of unclean lips. Let the blood of Jesus wash you and cleanse you from your guilt and your sin. And serve God. Why don't you guys pray with me? Lord, it's so easy to come up here and talk about surrendering, but when we actually do it, it it's rough. But we can only do it with your spirit and with uh, your words. Let us stay connected to that true vine, which is Jesus Christ. Help us to have humility. Help us to be humbled by your presence. Help us to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Because I know I can't do this life without you. Help us remember that worship is an act that leads to a feeling. It's not a feeling that leads to an act. When we surrender, we develop feelings and intimacy and overflowing love for you. We give you the glory and the honor. I pray that you'd bless the rest of the worship service today and just help us to have humility, help us to lift up holy hands, and help us to surrender, help us to have an attitude to surrender the rest of the service. In your mighty and precious name, amen.